we as leaders, we as human beings, we have to seek out mentors and coaches in our life. We have to be humble enough to allow them to help us along. And at the same time, we've got to look for other people in our network that maybe aren't as talented as we are. And we've got to help those people along too. Yeah. Because it's all about people. People sharpen each other. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there, and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, happy holidays, everyone. I can't believe we are getting ready to wrap up the year, and we have another amazing show for you. I have Major General John Gronsky, who is retired from the U.S. Army. But before we get to John, let's talk a little bit about your brand. Now, this week, I wrapped up a year-long engagement with my fabulous friends over at Riot Games, who are the folks behind the amazing game League of Legends. And the cool thing is that I've had a chance to work with their employee resource group leaders, really hone up their own professional brands, create amazing choices around how they want to drive their career and hone their leadership skills as both volunteer leaders and leaders in their core roles. And the cool thing about working with folks at a gaming company is that you really get immersed in fun and the way that people play games. And you know, I was really reflecting on this whole notion of helping people level up. And that's what you do in games. You you level up, you play different levels, and you're constantly learning and growing from failures and being able to level up in that game. And you know what it made me think about? Why don't we give ourselves the permission to fail? You know, so many times when it comes to thinking about your personal and professional brand, people feel that everything needs to be perfect. We've got to get it right. We have to have the perfect elevator pitch. I can't change something on my LinkedIn until I have it perfectly wordsmithed. I need to look at the perfect wardrobe. But the reality is, is your personal and professional brand is just like your life and your career. While our goal is to level up, we only really find that level up through testing, trying, and guess what? Failing, because there's nothing wrong with that. So as you think about 
honing and perfecting things like your elevator pitch. Don't sit on the sidelines and wait until it's perfect. You know what I've learned over time is I have to go out and say it. When I'm at a networking event, when I'm at a cocktail party, when I'm doing a broadcast, when I'm standing in front of an audience doing a keynote, I actually just need to use it and I need to evolve it because I find what works. And more importantly, I find those things that don't work that help me level it up the very next time. The same thing with making my superpower words come to life, right? I think about my brand filter and how I want to do a project But I'm not going to get caught up in that I have to be perfect because it's those little failures, those little things that I find that I need to tweak that help me level up. So as we come to the closeout of the year, I want you to think about what are some things that have been some minor failures or setbacks, and how can you use those to level up not only in your professional brand, but in the way that you lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough in 2024. Well, I am super excited about today's guest. It is Major General John Gronsky, who is retired from the U.S. Army and is the founder and CEO of Leadership Grove, a leadership consulting firm. Now, John is the author of two amazing books, Iron Sharpened Leadership and The Ride of Our Lives. He is an international and Fortune 500 speaker, leadership trainer, and executive coach. And I have had the pleasure of working with him as we've worked together to support Comcast's military affairs division that is supporting amazing veterans, active military, and military spouses across the Comcast Corporation. Now, John is a decorated combat veteran. He's had key assignments, including Deputy Commanding General for the National Guard at U.S. Army Europe, the Commanding General of the 28th Infantry Division, and Brigade Commander in Ramadi, Iraq. General Gronsky is a graduate of numerous Army schools. His awards include the Army Distinguished Service Medal with Oak Leaf Cluster, Legion of Merit with Oak Leaf Cluster, Bronze Star, and Iraq Campaign Medal. He has also received awards from the governments of Poland and Lithuania for his work with their armed forces. We'll be back in just a few moments with Major General John Gronsky. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a fabulous guest this week. It is Major General John Gronsky. John, what is going on? Jason, I'm here in Florida, just having a a good time. Uh, You know, I live in Pennsylvania, but this is the first winter my wife, Barry, and I are going to be spending uh, four or five months in Florida just uh, to take in some, some nice winter weather on the golf side. 
Exactly. Now, John, I know that you are constantly out meeting people, not only in your full uh, career in the U.S. Army, but now as the CEO of Leader Grove. Tell me, when you first meet people, how do you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what is it that you do? Yeah, hey, that, that's a great question. As a matter of fact, uh, I was just in St. Augustine, Florida. I did a, a leadership workshop for Smith Trucking Company, and Cameron Smith, young man, flies uh, F-15s for the Florida Air National Guard. He's the vice president of the company. He uh, reached out to me and asked me to come down and spend a day uh, with uh, about 150 employees. And the way I introduce myself uh, to these folks that I speak to is I say, you know, hey, I don't have a PhD in organizational leadership, but I've spent 40 years in the Army and retired as a major general, as you mentioned. And, um, you know, my leadership experience is all operationally based. Mm. And when you're talking to people like the company I just I just spoke to, you know, they're excavators. They they, you know, drive dump trucks and excavation equipment and they're, you know, always getting their hands dirty. And they do appreciate somebody who has that operational leadership experience who could really speak at their level. Mm. Exactly. And now I love that you sort of, you know, talk about the the value you bring. And one of the reasons, John, that I wanted to have you on the show was because you have such a different viewpoint on leadership than many people who work in the corporate space, right? Folks like myself that kind of grew up in big corporations, you know, you spent the most, the majority of your life working in, in the military. So talk to me, how did you decide to join the armed services in the first place? Yeah. Hey, you know, I I uh, entered active duty uh, in 1978. Wow. And I'll tell you, the main reason was to get out of my hometown. You know, I grew up in a small town in northeastern Pennsylvania, 5,000 people. And I just wanted to expand my horizon, see the world. And that was the main thing that led me to join the Army. But the thing that got me to stay where the shared values and the camaraderie and the people you meet and the people you work with. And that really kept me in for just over 40 years. Yeah. Wow. And so when you think back over those 40 years, what were some of those breakthrough moments for you that enabled you to rise to the level of a major general? Yeah. You, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a lieutenant, you know, yeah. I just got my commission, just entered the army on active duty. I was leading a platoon of soldiers and we were out in the field doing some training and I forget what the news was, but some news came back to me as the platoon leader that wasn't beneficial for my platoon. And I walked into the area where my soldiers were and I remember taking my helmet off and like throwing it on the ground and I really acted out, uh, you know, showing great this, this, um, uh, uh, greatly being dissatisfied with the news that that I heard. Yeah. And I looked at my soldiers and their faces were like all shocked. And I thought as a young leader trying to learn how to lead, you know, they would have appreciated the fact that I was acting out like that. Yeah. And then I realized, no, you know, what these <laughs> soldiers wanted was, you know, a, a, you know, a brick wall, not a pile of crumbling sand. And and that really taught me a lot as a young leader that no matter what the news is, your followers look to you to be stalwart, you know, mm. to be strong, to be solid. 
and 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 you know they may crumble a little bit, but they want you to be the one who, to help build them up. So that really taught me a lesson uh, very early on in my military career about what people are looking for in a leader. They want somebody who's strong. They want somebody that they could depend on. Yeah, I, I've always had good mentors uh, in my life, and to tell you the truth, I also had some poor leaders. Mm. Uh, and I'm not going to mention a name here, but it was uh, <laughs> When I was a company commander, um, he chewed people out in public. He was very arrogant. He didn't ask people their opinions. Uh, and he made a lot of poor decisions because he didn't use the team around him. Mm. And that taught me uh, what not to do as a leader. And then I had other leaders. You know, I had this other, when I was a platoon leader, I had a company commander who kind of took me on the side and he said, hey, come on, let's go have a cup of coffee together. And he connected with me and he made me feel like I belonged to the team. And I think that's one thing leaders could strive to do. Uh, get the people on your team to feel like they're connected to you and that there's a sense of belonging. I think those are very, very important things for a leader to focus on. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I don't think that for those of us who don't have military service, we don't often think of the military as a place where, you know, focusing on belonging is is super important. But why for you is it so critical in the military to drive that camaraderie and sense of belonging? Yeah, you know, uh, I don't think there's any difference between leading a military unit or leading a corporate team. Mm. Uh, I, you know, in the military, you know, for people who didn't serve in the military, some may think that when you're in the army or you're in any military service, you give an order and people are going to carry it out right away. Yeah. Okay, that might be true if you're under fire and I've been under fire and have had to do that. And people, you know, listen, because that that's what you have to do when, when you're in a dangerous situation, but that doesn't happen very often. Let's face it. Uh, you, you, as a military leader, just as a corporate leader, you have to get buy-in from your people. If mm. you don't get buy-in from your people, if, if you don't cultivate trust in your organization and get people to trust you because of your character and also because of your competence, people are not going to respond to what you say. And you might be, a, you know, you might put out an order and people may show that they're going to carry out the order, but you know, you know how it is, Jason. People have a, a, a way to slow roll things <laughs> if they don't believe in the leader. So I, I think, it, you know, whether it's corporate corporate America or military, you've got to get the, that buy-in from your people. And the only way you do that is by cultivating trust. Yeah. And so for you over the years, what have been some of your secrets or what what's your secret sauce to really being tr building trust with the folks around you and reporting to you? Yeah, there's a number of things. And I learned this over, over my 40 years in the military. Uh, obviously, I learned a lot from mistakes I made. And I'll share a story with you about a mistake I made. Yeah, uh, I, I had about 20 years in the Army. And I uh, got an assignment where I was going to go to Lithuania for a year. This was back in the year 2000. So just seven years after they regained their independence from Russia. And uh, and I get there and I'm leading. A, I, I just finished leading 850 soldiers in a, in a battalion that I that I commanded. And I get over to Lithuania. And now I'm going to be leading three Americans, a Marine, uh, an Air Force, NCO and, and an Army major. 
And I get over there and think, this is going to be a piece of cake. I just laid 850 soldiers. I know everything there is to know about leadership. <laughs> and I get there. And I'm there for about two or three weeks. And those those other uh, people on the team had been there for a few months already. And I get there and I just felt, hey, man, we weren't gelling. Something just wasn't right. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And then one day, the, the army major knocks on my door in my office and he says, hey, sir, could I talk to you for a minute? And I think, okay, you know, this young major wants the sage advice from, I was a colonel at the time. Yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, come on in. Tell me what's up. What could I do for you? He sits down. He looks at me and he says, sir, you are tearing this team apart. Ooh. And my jaw dropped. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, he goes, we feel you don't trust us because for a few different reasons. You're giving us orders and not even asking us why we had been doing something, even though we've been here for months and you just got here. You're mm. trying to change things without even trying to understand why we're doing things the way we're doing them. And then you're writing these little uh, notes for us. You know, after we leave at the end of the day, you stay here late. You write these notes, you put them on our, our desk, ordering us to do these tasks. And you're not even, again, consulting us. You're just writing these notes. It goes, that tells us you don't trust us. That tells us you think we either have all this time on our hands or we're doing everything wrong or whatever, but it's telling us you don't trust us. Wow. And, you know, I thanked him for having the personal courage to come in and talk to me about this. Then the next day I called the team together. And I said, hey, it's been brought to my attention uh, or to my attention that I've been uh, behaving in a way that has disrupted the team and has broken trust with you all. And I understand what I have to do to change it. And I outlined a few things I was going to do to change my behavior. I was going to start asking their opinion. I was going to get them together. We were going to create a shared purpose and vision for our team. I was going to roll up my sleeves and pitch in and help them, you know, with the workload, all those things. And then what I realized is, hey, my words were one thing, but they were actually going to see how I behaved after this. And yeah. sure enough, after, after a couple of months, it took that long. I was able to regain that trust with the team. So a few things I, I found out about cultivating trust. First of all, yeah. you've got to trust your team first. That's mm. essential. And a lot of people think, well, how could I trust a team I never worked with? And I ask people who say that to me, have you ever worked for a leader who didn't trust you? And a lot of times people say yes. I say, yeah. well, if that leader didn't trust you were, you, were you able to trust that leader? Their answer is always no. That's why mm. I say you have to trust people first until they give you a reason not to trust them. And that's when you have that, that private conversation with them and get things hashed out then. You have to create a vision. You have to create a purpose for the team. They have to feel like they're working for something bigger than themselves. You have to display integrity and, and, and display integrity at all times because your word is your bond and your word is what really, really matters. And then you've got to show people that you care about them and you've got to lead by example. So whatever you expect your people to do, you've got to be willing to do the same thing. Those are great ways to cultivate trust. I learned that from that experience in Lithuania as well as other experiences I've had through my military career. Yeah. And I love that story because it's, it's such a great example of how your intention wasn't me, wasn't, you know, equating to the impact that you really wanted. Exactly. I thought I was, I thought it was behaving as a very good leader. And thank God this young major had the personal courage to set me straight. And, and that's another thing I tell people. You've got to create conditions 
where the people you lead feel comfortable coming in and having those type of conversations with you. You know, leaders have to have difficult conversations with the people they lead if the people they lead aren't adhering to the standards. But as a leader, you've got to create that atmosphere where people feel comfortable having those difficult conversations with you. Uh, and and if, if you could create that type of atmosphere, then it's going to be totally a, a team environment that we all should strive for. Absolutely. And now you have had the privilege of serving all around the world, right? You've yep, been in Iraq. Sure. You've been all throughout Europe. What have kind of your experiences working in sort of the global space taught you about things that we could be doing more effectively as leaders, you know, whether you're in the U.S. or in Western Europe or wherever our listeners happen to be coming in from? Yeah, I had to work with the tribal leaders and some of the government leaders in Iraq when I was over there as a brigade commander. And, you know, Stephen Covey said it best, and this is really true. You've got to seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. And, mm. and I, I took that to heart when I was over there in Iraq. And also, I spent the last three years of my career at U.S. Army Europe. So I engaged a lot of chiefs of defense and other military professionals from our NATO allies and other European partners over there. And I always came across as, hey, I, I need to understand you before I'm, I try to get you to understand me. And I also know that everybody has a sense of pride about their own country. Mm. And you can't be arrogant. You know, I mean, I believe that we live in the greatest country on the face of the earth, but I certainly don't go into engagements with, uh, you know, foreign military leaders with that type of attitude. I go in uh, recognizing that they also have pride. They also have a lot of great characteristics about their military and about their country. And I want to try to learn from them because there's certain things they're doing very well that we could learn from. And if you go in with that type of attitude, I think you're going to be able to create good partnerships. Yeah. And so, John, you spend 40 years in 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 the army. Then you retire and and what did you think on your first day of retirement? Wow, I'm glad you asked that question because I think this is a a good story for people. Um uh, I was floundering, you know, mm. because I had a purpose in the army. You know, I knew what my purpose was. And I get home to Pennsylvania and I don't have a staff around me any longer. You know, I'm thinking, what the heck is my purpose in life now? Yeah. And and I really had to think long and hard about that. And I actually arrived at a purpose. I wrote it down. I know exactly what it is. My purpose is to help leaders who want to improve become better leaders. Ah. And and when I arrived at that purpose, a purpose, I think, that's greater than myself, because mm. I could have a generational impact on people by focusing that way, uh, then I knew exactly what I had to do. I wanted to get out. I wanted to speak. I wanted to conduct workshops. Uh, and, and, you know, I wanted to, um, again, just help any leader from whether military, law enforcement, the corporate world. Uh, who who felt like they wanted to to learn and to, to become better now what that means is i don't want to work with a leader who thinks they know everything yeah i don't want to work with an arrogant leader i only want to work with leaders who are like me and want to continue to learn and grow so those are yeah. the people that i seek out and since i've done that i've had so many people reach out to me and i'm 
traveling not only around this country, but around the world, uh, being able to help leaders like that. So I'm glad you asked that question because I, I believe it's all about purpose. I believe yeah. if a person finds themselves floundering a little bit, they really have to focus on, hey, what is my overarching purpose? And, and then how do I actually implement that purpose? Yeah. And I love that. And I love that I've had a chance to see you in action because, of course, you and I met because we have both been uh, speakers at Comcast Company's uh, military development symposium that they do as part of their military affairs group. And I know every single year you are one of, if not the top speaker at that symposium. Well, Jason, I got to I got to tell you. I always make sure I sit in on your talk because uh, I learn so much, <laughs> really. Uh, I think branding yourself is, is really important. And I think branding yourself and, and arriving at one's purpose are very, very similar. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I really appreciate, you know, your, your talk to those military veterans and how you help them find their way. Yes. Well, um, I, I love that we get a chance to partner with Comcast Military because they're doing such great work. So anyone listening, if you're if you're looking for a company that's doing a great job with uh, military veterans and uh, military families, check out what what Comcast is doing. And John, kind of speaking about, you know, a personal and professional brand. And I love that you shared your mission, right, because that's really the core of it. Give me three words that describe your brand as a leader and as even a human being? Well, I'm, I'm going to explain it this way. I'm going to say iron sharpened leadership. Ooh, that's my brand, iron sharpened leadership. And really, that's based on Proverbs 27, 17, which reads, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Mm. And I'll tell you exactly what that means to me. And that that verse could mean many different things to many different people. What it means yeah. to me that we as leaders, we as human beings, we have to seek out mentors and coaches in our life. And we have to be humble enough to allow them to help us along. And at the same time, we've got to look for other people in our network that maybe aren't as talented as we are. And we've got to help those people along too. Yeah, Because it's all about people. People sharpen each other. We don't get sharp if we're out there alone on an island. We only get sharp if we're seeking help from others and we're seeking to help others. So that, in an essence, is my brand, Iron Sharpened Leadership. Yeah. And John, so I, I, lo- I love that there's even a whole like great story around that. And I love what it stands for. Have you always been Iron Sharpened Leadership or is that something that's really evolved over time for you? I'll tell you how it all came about. I commanded the 28th Infantry Division, which is a Pennsylvania Army National Guard Division, 15,000 soldiers. And in 2013, I took uh, my headquarters over to France to uh, participate in a military exercise there. So my headquarters consisted of about 550 people. And as I'm over there, uh, my chaplain comes to me and he knew I was uh, trying to brand talking about brands. Yeah. I was trying to brand the 28th Infantry Division as the Iron Division because during World War I, General Pershing went out to visit the soldiers of the 28th Infantry Division after they were in a fierce battle along the Marne River in July 1918. Pershing goes out 
to visit those 28th Infantry Division soldiers. And he sees the carnage on the battlefield. And he looks at those soldiers and he says, you are men of iron. And the 28th Infantry Division is my iron division. So when I took over as commander of the division, I was trying to em- I was trying to embrace this history and get yeah. our soldiers to understand we're the Iron Division because it builds resiliency, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, my chaplain knew that, so my chaplain comes up to me one day and he's the one who turned me on to Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. He said that is a perfect proverb Bible verse for the Iron Division, and I embraced it since twenty thirteen. And I just really believe in what it stands for. So when I retired from the Army in 2019, uh, I ended up writing uh, two books. One is The Ride of Our Lives, which is a a book about a bicycle trip I took with my wife and 15-month-old son back in 1983 from Washington State to Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, Three months on the road with a two-man backpack and 10, two sleeping bags and a 15-month-old. Uh, on bicycles, not now that's brave. Now, now that's iron sharp. <laughs> yeah, so, so I wrote a book about that, and then I uh, wrote a book called Iron Sharpened Leadership, which is really based on my leadership philosophy of character, competence, and resilience. And so, yeah, that that's that's what my brand is all about: iron sharpened leadership. If you're looking for three words, those are the three words. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what you talk about in Iron Sharpened Leadership. So the way I break character down, I break that down into values, uh, trust, growing trust, and caring about others. The way I break competence down, it's about providing a vision or a purpose. I talked about that a little bit earlier, but also the importance of leaders making a decision when a decision must be made and the importance of a leader communicating. Uh, and that includes listening skills, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I'm often <laughs> reminded that we have one mouth, m- one mouth, but we have two ears. So, yep. you know, it's it's important to listen twice as much as you speak. And then the third element is resilience. And that's all about positive energy, fitness, which includes physical fitness, emotional fitness, mental fitness and spiritual fitness. And then also the the fact that leaders have to allow themselves to be vulnerable in order to build up their resiliency. And that means moving out of your comfort zone. That means asking your followers what their opinions are and, and, and seeking advice from your followers. And it also means sharing stories, stories about the times you've made mistakes and how you were able to overcome those mistakes. And, you know, Jason, I shared that story with you a little bit earlier about the mistake I made in Lithuania. Yeah. Right. Where where I wasn't growing trust with my team and I was doing things to to destroy that trust. I told you the story about when I was a lieutenant, how I threw my helmet on the ground and was acting out. And the soldiers were looking for somebody strong, not somebody falling apart. So most of the lessons that I actually talk about when I speak, most of the lessons that I have in my book, Iron Sharpened Leadership, are really about mistakes I've made failures I've had and how I learned from those mistakes and failures and how I was able to overcome those to be hopefully a better leader and a better person. Yeah. And John, I love that you've really linked vulnerability to this outcome of being able to be resilient, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I like to say resiliency doesn't happen on its own. You have to build that resiliency muscle. You have to do things that help you become a stronger and more resilient person 
before you encounter a crisis situation. Yeah. You know, there's an old saying in the military that you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your level of training. Ah. And and I believe that. You don't rise to the occasion, you sink to your level of training. That's why I think you have to train yourself to be a more resilient person by doing those things that I talked about, exhibiting the positive energy, exhibiting optimism, which means believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Exhibiting that fitness, the physical fitness, mental fitness, emotional fitness, spiritual fitness, and then, of course, vulnerability. Yeah. And and I love that it's you have to invest in those things before you need it, right? In the moment, it's too late. Absolutely. Some people think they're just going to rise to the occasion, but I found that that very seldom is true. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that you talked about around competence was that ability to make decisions when you need to make those tough decisions. Talk to me a little bit about that and some of your experiences around decision-making. Yeah. Well, you know, Colin Powell had a great rule. He called Mm. it the 40-70 rule. And Colin Powell, of course, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of State, he passed away, you know, uh, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. Great leader uh, in my mind. Uh, and he said a 40-70 rule. What he said is when leaders have to make a decision, if they make a decision with less than 40% of the information available, they're probably just guessing. They're probably just shooting from the hip. Yeah. But if they wait until they have more than 70% of the information, they probably just missed an opportunity. So it's mm. that sweet spot in there, that 40 to 70% of the information. And, you know, I, I use that... Um, that rule, and I also used a rule from a famous three-star general, Hell Moore, who commanded a unit in the Adrang Valley during the Vietnam War. And I read in his book where during a crisis he was involved in, in this battle, he just went to a quiet spot on the battlefield just for a couple of minutes, and he thought, hey, what information, what information do I have? What do I know? What information don't I have? What don't I know? And what actions do I need to take to influence the situation? I actually used that technique in Iraq. We had many crisis situations in Iraq. One in particular was a large-scale riot that the insurgents had incited. We had uh, probably five or 600 Iraqis rioting outside of one of our military uh, installations there. And I had to go out and encounter these people. And I thought about what Hell Moore said. What do I what do I know? What don't I know? What actions do I need to take to influence the situation? And uh, I, I've used that and I've used Colin Powell's 4070 rule many times. Yeah. And I love that sometimes we think, oh, decision making is just about like diving in and making that decision. I love how you really talk about it is a little bit about stepping back and doing that evaluation, even though you can do that in a timely and quick manner, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like to talk about that too. Um, You know, as usually young leaders, um, and I will say this, the lower you are on the leadership food chain and whatever organization you're a leader in, generally you have to make decisions quicker. In other words, if you're a supervisor in a factory and there's a dangerous situation, you might have to make a split decision, turn the machine off, you know, that yeah. type of thing. Uh, but the higher you go up in an organization, you usually have the luxury of taking a little bit more time. Mm. But I like to use the term that I learned in the military, 
tactical patience. Mm. That means sometimes you have to let the situation develop a little bit more in order to get more than that 40% of the information before making a decision. And in most cases, when you think of it, unless it's a life and death decision, you ha- you do have a, a luxury of a little bit of time to let the situation develop, get a little bit more information, get it between that 40 to 70% sweet spot, and then make the decision. Where leaders get into trouble, and Harry Truman said this, yeah. he said, the leaders who cause all the trouble are not the leaders who make poor decisions. The leaders who all who cause all the trouble are the leaders who don't make a decision when a decision must be made. Ah. And uh, that's why, you know, don't don't wait till you got 80% or 90%. You're never going to have 100%, but have the personal courage to make those decisions at about 70% or so. Yeah. And I love that term, tactical patience, right? Yeah. Uh, I think for so many of us who grew up in, in the corporate world, we feel like we're always under pressure. But for most of us, these aren't life and death decisions. We do need to show that tactical patience. A- absolutely. And, you know, another quick story for you. Um, I was in a military exercise as a, I was actually a lieutenant colonel, but I was doing the job of a colonel in this exercise. And a mentor of, my, uh, of mine, uh, he, he was a colonel. Uh, I'll, I'll call him Colonel Dan. And, and he comes up to me and he gives me some advice. He said, hey, after your staff gives you uh, the recommendation on the decision they want you to go with, don't make the decision right away. Give everybody a timeout. Call your operations officer, your intelligence officer up by the map. Get a little bit more insight from them. Get everybody back in about 15, 20 minutes, and then you could tell them what course of action you want to go with. So I, I learned that from him. And then about a year later, I'm a executive coach for an executive at a um, utility company. Yeah. And she is getting various uh, recommendations on what course of action she should go with. And when they gave her those courses of action, I could tell she was perplexed and she was unsure what to do. And I said in, in the meeting to her, I said, hey, I said, you know, you don't have to make a decision right now. You could sleep on it and bring everybody back tomorrow morning and tell them what decision you want to go with. Mm. And she looked at me. She said, great idea. And that's what she said. That's what we're going to do. Come back tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. And I'm walking down the hallway a little while later, and she's in her office, and she calls me in, and she says, John, thank you for giving me that advice. That was excellent advice. And again, that was something I learned in the military that I was able to translate into the corporate world, and it worked great for this particular executive. Yeah. Now, John, I want to circle back to you know how you defined your brand of iron sharpened leadership. You talked about it in two ways, right? One about seeking out great mentors and two about being that person that's there to help and elevate and raise other folks. Talk to me about some mentors in your career and your life that have been really helpful and invaluable. You know, when I was over at U.S. Army Europe, uh, the commander I worked for over there was Lieutenant General Hodges. Uh, Lieutenant General Hodges, excellent leader, uh, a wealth of combat experience. And I was out with him once where I saw him interact with some subordinate leaders. And I actually wrote 
the questions, the three questions he asked them in my notebook, because mm. I thought they were so effective. And think about this. If you're leading a large organization and you're circulating amongst that organization, your time is very, very precious. You've got to make the best use of that time when you're engaging subordinate leaders. It's not just all about patting somebody on the back and asking how their family's doing. Yeah. You got to use that time to the best advantage. And I saw how General Hodges did this. These were the three questions he asked. Mm. The first question he asked what was, what is your risk to performing the mission? In mm. a corporate sense, a corporate executive could, could ask a, a, a junior executive, what is your risk to getting the job done? Mm. The second question General Hodges asked was, what is your risk to the force? A corporate executive could ask, what is the risk to retaining your employees? Or yeah. if you're working in a factory or you're working out there in an excavation site where it is dangerous work, you could ask, what are the safety risks out here that we yeah. need to address in a better way? And then the third question he asked those subordinate leaders, what are you doing to develop yourself and what are you doing to help your subordinates develop themselves? Ah. And I wrote those three questions in my notebook. And I've shared those three questions with many people in the leadership workshops that I do. And and actually, after I heard General Hodges ask those questions, I I actually then mirrored those questions when I would go out and, and visit soldiers and visit troops and subordinate leaders. I think those are three excellent questions that any leader should be asking their subordinates when they're circulating throughout their company. Yes, I love those questions. And then let's think a little bit about how you help other people. How do you make that part of your ongoing practice to be in a place to help and elevate other folks? And what advice do you have for people that are kind of, you know, working full time in, in, in their career to be in that level of service? Yeah. You know, uh, I just spoke at BNY Mellon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania mm. uh, about a month ago. And I was out there, I was going to be delivering about a 90-minute leadership workshop. And one of the uh, junior leaders who were going to be participating in the workshop, about three minutes before I was going to present, comes up to me and he says, hey, you know, I, I've got this leadership issue. I'd really like to ask your opinion. And his name was Titus. Mm. And I said, Titus, I said, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, how about if you do a Zoom call with me next week? I'm not going to charge anything for it. It's just pro bono. You know, I just want to help you. Yeah. I said, but we could have a better conversation. I could better understand what your situation is rather than try to answer your question in two or three minutes before I start my presentation. And yeah. so I did that. And actually, after that conversation, I took him on as a mentor. So we meet wow. about once a month now. And again, wow. there's no charge for that. I just do it because here was a young person who, was reaching out for some leadership advice. So that was truly a, a leader who wanted to learn. And if there's a leader who wants to learn, I'm all about giving all my time to them if I could. And that and that's one of many uh, such uh, circumstances like that, where people have come up and asked me questions, and I've just kind of had follow-on dialogue with them, and we've become friends, and I've become their mentor. And what I'm hoping is that they will now see the example I set 
So now they will pay it forward. Mm. They will watch out for people as they continue to move up the food chain of being a better, you know, a higher up as a, in the leadership structure. They will then spend time mentoring others as well. But I think, you know, to the advice of any junior leader out there, have the personal courage to ask a, a, a leader that you respect for their advice. Leader, you know, mentors aren't just going to come raining down on you. Yeah. You have to actually look for mentors. And I like to say, and I heard this actually from General Cohen, yeah. who was a, a four-star general. He passed away, unfortunately, several years ago before his time. He had cancer. Uh, but I was listening to him speak at a leadership symposium at Fort Benning. And he started off by saying, not everybody deserves a mentor. It's like, wow, that was wow. a shock to me because I thought in the Army, everybody deserved a mentor. But he yeah. made the point. He said, if you're a leader who thinks you know everything, if you're an arrogant leader, if you don't go searching for a mentor, you don't deserve one. He said, because mm. mentors don't come falling out of the sky. You actually have to put the work into it. And yeah. so I would just advise any young leader to look for a mentor, have the personal courage to ask somebody for mentorship. And then don't expect the mentor to put all the work in. You, as the protege, have to put work in, too. Mm. Sage advice. Now, uh, now, John, um, we could talk forever, but I have some fun kind of quick fire questions okay. to, to close us out. We've been talking about your iron sharpened leadership brand. Uh, but as a consumer, what brand do you love? What are you obsessed with or what can't you live without? I like Ford. I like Ford. Mm. I, I'm a big Ford guy. I just believe in the company. Uh, I think they, uh, you know, stand for quality and 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 just good workmanship and those type of things. And uh, hey, how could I how could I not be an Apple fan? Now, John, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? And a Ford F one fifty pickup. Ah, and why are you like that F one fifty? Uh, dependable, reliable, stable, workhorse, not a show horse, but a workhorse. Mm. And, um, and that's why. Oh, I love that. And finally, John, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Absolutely. Be yourself. You know, Mm. you could, you know, read books about people you admire. You could have mentors in your life that you admire. Uh, you could hear people on podcasts that you admire. Don't try to be an exact exact replica of those people you admire. Be authentic. Be yourself. There's only one of you, and there will always only be one of you. You are so unique. So take advantage of your uniqueness and be yourself. And the second part is I learned early on in my career, character and integrity and values do matter. So really focus on identifying what your three to five personal core values are and then make a commitment to live by those core values in good times and in bad times. Ooh, I love that. Well, Major General John Gronsky, thank you for your service. Thank you for being on the show and thank you for everything that you do to help people uh, get better. Of course, the two books are The Right of Our Lives and Iron Sharpened Leadership. And where can people find those books? Go to my website, johngronsky.com. There's a Leader Grove store you click on to, or of course, Amazon or any other place that people like to purchase their books. 
That's awesome. Well, John Gronsky, thank you again for being on the show. I hope to see you next year at Comcast Mill Dev again. I'm looking forward to that, Jason. I'm looking forward to hearing you speak again. Ah, thank you, sir. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, I just loved my conversation with Major General John Gronsky. You know, John has so many great leadership tips and career tips from his amazing service in the U.S. Army. But what really stood out to me in talking with John is that here's someone from the military. This isn't a marketing person, but he was able to just succinctly sum up his entire brand by saying those three words, iron sharpened leadership. And you can hear how it's infused into his whole brand, even the title of the book that he has written. And when I think about John and that, what stood out to me is this whole notion that he can articulate that journey and that story. He knows exactly where that language came from, both from biblical text, as well as amazing conversations with mentors and coaches that have helped him him changed his life, and he knows how he applies it and shows up that way. So as you think about your brand, can you succinctly sum it up in three words? Are you able to give us the story and the narrative that defines how it is uniquely you and how it is part of your true, authentic story? Well, that's our show for you this week. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring a brand new show every single week. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you'd love to ask a question that might show up on the podcast, just go ahead and DM me. Now, most of all, and most importantly of all, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee, make sure that in your career and your life, you are that super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.